It's not far-fetched to say we live in a world of plastic. We are surrounded by objects made from plastic, such as plastic pipes to carry water, cooking pans coated with plastic, electronics including phones, kitchen utensils, bowls, water, milk and soda bottles, food that comes in plastic packaging. In fact, virtually everything we buy is wrapped in plastic. Our cars have numerous plastic parts, as do many common household objects, including furniture, toys, credit cards, windows, umbrellas, fabrics, clothing, shoes, even your toothbrush. Welcome to Mothering Earth, your source for sustainable living news. I'm Salwa Khan. Given the historically low rate at which plastics can be recycled, it's not surprising that we generate hundreds of millions of tons of plastic waste. Some is in landfills, and a huge amount is in our oceans, where it breaks down over time into microplastics, which are ingested by fish and marine mammals. Microplastics are also in our water supply and therefore in our bodies. This is not good. The overwhelming problem of plastic waste spurred students at Texas State University to create a system in which members of the university community can bring in plastic items, shred them, and melt them down, and then use preset molds to make new items, such as coasters, keychains, or handles for tools, such as screwdrivers. My guests are two of the students who were involved in this project. They are Michael Quinto and Allison Cespedes. Let's start, Michael, with what plastics are made from. Currently, most plastics are made from fossil fuels. So that's either oil or uh, natural gas or coal. And essentially, they'll take that liquid form and use a plasticizer chemical to uh, bind together the polymer and turn it into a plastic. And the unfortunate thing about that is that one, those fossil fuels are non-renewable resources, and two, that plasticizer chemical they use is really harmful uh, to the human body. And essentially, uh, we uh, statistically, it shows that humans are consuming about a credit card's worth of plastic every week, um, which is bad because that plasticizer chemical can cause birth defects, hormonal imbalances, heart disease, and even cancer. And uh, we're producing plastic at a rate of about 380 million tons of plastic every year. And to, to put that number into perspective, the weight of the entire human population is only about 316 million tons. So we're making more plastic every year than us as a human population actually weigh, which is really scary if you think about it on that big scale. And, and when you say we're ingesting the, the equivalent of a credit card, how, how do we do that? Currently out of the, all the plastic that has been made um, since I guess the 50s is when we switched over from uh, cellulose-based plastic to petroleum-based plastic. Um, we've produced about 6.3 billion metric tons of plastic, and only 9% of that has been recycled, which means it's either ending up in a landfill 
where it takes like 400 years to decompose or it ends up as litter, which eventually will end up in the ocean or it can take up to a thousand years to decompose. And so as it's decomposing, it breaks down into microplastics, which are consumed by um, uh, like marine animals. And so we can ingest it that way by eating seafood or it breaks down small enough to where it's literally in the water that we drink. Both of you got interested in the issue of plastics and what you saw as a problem. So I wanted both of you to talk about how you got involved in this project. Uh, And Michael, since you were the sort of uh, person who began it all, let's begin with you. And then Allison, if you could uh, tell us your part. I had already always been interested in the environment and I really um, I chose to pursue an engineering degree because the way my uh, high school physics teacher put it engineers solve problems and I feel like plastic pollution as I kind of already mentioned is a huge problem right now and so um, I started this project my sophomore year um, partially because uh, we were because of the COVID-19 pandemic, I was missing out on uh, information in my manufacturing labs where we were supposed to learn how to use machining equipment. And because I found uh, precious plastic and it kind of combined to where I could build machines that would recycle plastic to which both allowed me to learn how to use the machines and tackle my ultimate goal of uh, really helping our environment by recycling this plastic. And and this was in the context of a class, right? So that you were, you were taking a class uh, online, you said, right? Yeah. So I was taking, the class was called manufacturing uh, processes. And so that class was supposed to be in person with in-person labs on actually using the equipment. And instead uh, it was online And so rather than using the equipment, I just watched videos of people using the equipment. Um, And so that was really what drove me to uh, start, want to learn how to use the equipment. But what really started the recycling project was inspiration from precious plastic. Um, Although Allison got involved in the project from a different class. Yeah, so Allison, tell us about your involvement, how that happened. Yeah, so I first became involved um, through my senior capstone project called Senior Design. So I'm, I'm a uh, manufacturing engineering student. And uh, for all the engineering programs at Texas State, you have to complete a senior capstone project. So it's basically like a big project that lasts two semesters long. And um, when I entered or started the class, I was given a list of the different projects that they had uh, that my professor had available to us and um, this one specifically kind of called out to me and so um, I was lucky enough to to be put on this project and so um, that's kind of how I was first introduced however I wasn't really aware of the issues plastic had on our environment on ourselves um, until I met Michael and so um, I met him through this project too. So it was, it was pretty cool how it all kind of worked out together because 
not only did I enjoy my project, but it kind of made me look at it from a different perspective and kind of appreciate my project more than um, just completing an assignment, right? Right. You're listening to Mothering Earth. I'm here today with Michael Quinto and Allison Cespedes, and we're talking about their project, which was about repurposing plastics at Texas State University. Um, So, Michael, you mentioned precious plastics. Can you tell us what that is and how that uh, was part of your project? Yeah, so uh, Precious Plastic is a company out of the Netherlands that essentially designed a series of machines that recycle plastic on a small scale. Um, and this is an open source company. And so all of their blueprints, all their plans are uh, available for free online. And so they really uh, were an inspiration for what we're doing here because we saw, hey, if they could do it, we could do it too. And so um, kind of as an inspiration, I uh, redesigned their plastic shredder and then took that on as my own project and uh, built our own plastic shredder that we have on campus for this Bobcats Repurpose project. And then another one of the machines on their website is an injection machine, um, and that melts the shredded plastic down into small into uh, molds to create new products. And, and I also really like their their overall goal is to create a network of recycling spaces to where you don't have to rely on the current infrastructure in place, um, considering that only uh, 20, I think it's 20 to 40% of what you actually put in your recycling bin gets recycled. And that's just because of the, the systems and the industry in place doesn't have the resources to recycle it properly. And so with this kind of local network, of people having their own machines to recycle plastic, it allows us to take um, that into our own hands rather than relying on the industry. Right, right. So uh, go ahead and describe your project. Yeah, so our project is uh, Bobcats Repurpose. So we're uh, repurposing post-consumer plastic waste into new products. And... um, Dr. Talley is our advisor on this project. He's a professor in the Department of Engineering. This was to take um, HDPE plastic, which is the number two plastic, um, which has a lower melting temperature, and putting that into uh, molds and uh, melting them down in an oven uh, using more of a casting method. And so melting them in an oven and then compressing them together to create new products. Um, And that's kind of where I started building the shredder and Dr. Tally heard about me doing this on my own. And we kind of combined those projects together because the original team was cutting up the plastic by hand and they would spend hours just cutting up plastic. Um, Whereas the shredder makes that process go from an hour long process to like five minutes to shred down some stuff. Right. And so that's really sped it up. Um, The the biggest problem that the compression team was having was the time spent melting it down. And that's where Allison's team 
has come in and made that process a lot quicker, but I'll let her talk about that more. Yeah, so Allison, tell us about that. Yeah, so um, my team, we're a team of four, um, and we're the injection molding systems team. So uh, like Michael said, the problem with the previous team with compression molding is that it, um, it took a lot of time. It required a lot of tools and it was just, it wasn't very efficient. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, to solve this problem, my team, we made an injection molding machine. And what this machine does is um, after the user shreds their plastic on Michael's um, plastic shredder, they would bring those shredded pieces to our machine and our machine, uh, you insert it and um, the machine will keep the plastic to a temperature where it could um, be liquefied enough to be injected or inserted into a mold. And um, what that mold, what happens is that the plastic takes shape of the mold, whichever mold um, the user chooses. And so my team, we made the machine, uh, we designed it, manufactured and assembled it. Um, and we also made these molds. So, um, was, was this a process that took, it sounds pretty complicated. So, I mean, <laughs> did it take, take a lot of time or how did that work? Oh, yes. <laughs> it yeah. took um, quite a bit of time. Um, so we, like I said, like um, this class is two semesters long and um, my team was able to break it down to where the first semester we kind of focused on making the machine. And um, a lot of or the basis of the design was actually um, taken from precious plastics. Mm-hmm. And, um, but then we, we, designed, we designed it uh, based off of their design, but we also you know, manufactured it. And um, we, we have a machine shop in the engineering building. And so uh, we were able to fabricate um, all these metals um, to make the machine. And um, it, it did take <laughs> quite a bit of time but then the second semester, we decided to focus more on making these molds mm-hmm. and um, the molds. Yeah, we, we designed them ourselves and kind of also got inspiration from uh, Precious Plastics, because um, if you look on their website, they have uh, the community just comes up with amazing other products that you can make. There's also another team that is using post-consumer plastic um, and they're called the Plastic Bench Team. And so they're taking the same plastic, this HDPE plastic, but they're kind of doing um, kind of what the, the compression team, the compression molding team did previously, but on a larger scale. So mm-hmm. they have um, bigger molds where you fill up the mold uh, with about 20 to 25 pounds of plastic. And um, you put it in an oven for a few days. And once the plastic is uh, melted enough, they... Um, they fasten the mold together and put it under a hydraulic press, which is basically a machine that um, has high pressure and they compress the the two mold halves together, creating a part. And um, their bench is made out of 100% recycled plastic. So how it works is um, they have like two different molds and they connect in like Lego pieces, if you could imagine that. Mm. And um, yeah, so they made like about nine, parts of these molds and they combine them together to to make a bench 
And is that bench something that's in use at Texas State or where's where's the bench? <laughs> yeah, so um, the, I, the, well, at least the goal is to have it um, in the Ingram Hall building. Um, and the idea is that once this team uh, finalizes their process, it could be carried on to the workers there at the makerspace and they could continue to make these parts and hopefully have these benches out all across the um, Texas State campus. That's the awesome part about using HTPE plastic is that um, HTPE can be found in like detergent bottles or like cups. And so really the color depends on the plastic you bring. Okay. So um, yeah, so the bench does have like a variety of colors kind of going on um, oh. because um, they were made either from like um, can toppers or from like detergent bottles, you know, they can come in variety of colors. So it's really, uh, it depends on what the user brings. You're listening to Mothering Earth. I'm talking today with Michael Quinto and Allison Cespedes, and we're talking about their uh, project that they were involved in at Texas State University on repurposing uh, consumer plastics. Uh, when we talk about plastics, uh, you've mentioned a couple like PET and HDPE, uh, and those are the two most, as, as from what I understand, those are the two most commonly recycled plastics, but there are a whole list of other plastics. Uh, can you tell us about some of those other plastics that we can't use or don't seem to use? Yeah, yeah. So um, traditionally the, the plastics and that uh, chasing arrows or cycling symbol you're gonna see on all your recyclable plastics, um, they're labeled one through seven. And so, uh, like you said, the number one and number two are going to be the most recycled, and that's just because they're the easiest to process. So that number one is uh, PET, which is polyethylene terephthalate, and that's going to be your uh, your plastic water bottles, uh, more of the the clear plastics that you're going to see in bottles. Um, and number two is HDPE, which is the high density polyethylene. And that's gonna be more your detergent bottle, your milk jugs, um, cups, that more of that um, type of plastic. And those two are uh, recycled most because uh, polyethylene or yeah, PET is the easiest to separate the individual polymers. And a lot of time that'll be uh, recycled into fuel or into um, pelletized plastic that can be used uh, to make any plastic um, object. And then HDPE is easier to use just because it's got the lowest melting temperature, um, which is why we've been using it in our project for a lot of the tests because we don't have to wait for it um, to melt as long. And so it's easier to get more tests in with the equipment. Um, although in the future we do plan to recycle more. But then moving on down the list, um, number three is PVC. So that's uh, polyvinyl chloride. Um, that's gonna be your PVC, PVC pipes that you see in construction right. mostly. Right. Um, that tends to be difficult to recycle because of the chloride molecules in it. 
when you're melting it down to try to re recycle it, um, the, what comes off of it is essentially hydrogen chloride, which is, uh, poisonous. It's a, it's an acid. It's a super, uh, dangerous gas to work with. And so a lot of, um, companies will steer away from recycling that. Uh, number four is going to be LDPE. That is low density polyethylene. That's going to be more of your plastic, um, grocery bags and trash bags, more of like a, the film, uh, type of plastic. And that tends to be difficult to recycle because, you need a lot of it. Um, it, it does have a lower melting temperature, so we could take it, but you need a whole bunch of it to actually recycle it into it, a solid part, um, because it is just a really thin film of plastic and most, um, recycling centers won't take it because those films get wrapped around the equipment and cause it to seize up. So it's not shreddable. Um, it makes it difficult to work with. Um, number five is polypropylene. That one is probably just as common as number one and two. Um, that's going to be more of the harder plastic, like your, uh, your plastic cutlery, um, phone cases, that more, uh, hard plastic. Um, that one, I do plan to recycle on campus in our recycling workspace in the future. Um, it does have a higher melting temperature, but luckily the injection machine can get up to the temperature to where we can melt it and inject it into molds. Whereas the casting method that we've been working with recently uh, could never reach that temperature. Um, Number six, that one is going to be polystyrene. Um, That is styrofoam. Um, I'm not sure if you knew, but styrofoam is a plastic. Right. And that tends to be really hard to recycle and most recycling centers won't recycle it because if you think of the packing peanuts or your to-go boxes, when those break apart, they tend to float away and cause a huge mess. And so they have to spend a lot of money just on cleaning that up. And the other thing is it is um, kind of like number four, where it's like, you need a lot of it. Uh, Polystyrene number six, um, the styrofoam is really just plastic wrapped around an air bubble, yeah. basically. It's terrible. And so you have stuff. to really, really compress it down to make any use out of it because most of it is air. Right. And then number seven is really so number seven is other. Essentially, when the the recycling numbers were being for plastic, when the recycling plastic numbers were being made, there's a lot of different uh, really specific uses of plastic and specific plastic polymers that were too much to number. And so they made seven other, which includes at least another 20 different types of plastic. And some of those can be recycled, some of them cannot, but um, usually that number seven will not get recycled in your regular recycling right. centers. Right. So now uh, you've described these molds, Allison. What mm-hmm. what objects are you making? What what objects can you make with your machines at school? So um, so far, my team we have made molds for a screwdriver, a keychain, um, 
an Allen wrench holder or like a Allen wrench cover. So um, kind of like the, the handle part to an Allen wrench mm -hmm. um, and uh, like a little versatile tray. And um, that's so far what we've came up with. And it was just based off of like surveying um, the Texas state community and kind of listing ideas that we came up with and seeing which uh, were the, the top ones that one were reasonable and uh, to make and two um, some that kind of geared towards our customer because our customer is like the Texas state community, right? We want to make molds that will attract people to the makerspace um, and stuff that they would want to convert their unwanted plastic into something that they would like to take home. Right. Um, so, so far, that's what we've made. You're listening to Mothering Earth. I'm talking today with Michael Quinto and Allison Cespedes on their plastic repurposing project at Texas State University. Um, do you think this project will help the, uh, to kind of solve the issue of too much plastic? Or does it just encourage continued use of plastics? That's a, that's a good question. I... I would say that it it's definitely not going to solve the problem. Um, as I kind of mentioned at the beginning, we're producing plastic on a massive scale. Right. Um, and so the only way to really solve the problem would to be find an alternative to plastic in a lot of these manufacturing um industries. So, I mean, rather than using plastic bottles, we could go back to using glass or rather than using plastic packaging, we can go back to using paper or wood. Um, it's really the, the only way to fix the problem would be to find an alternative for it. Although I will say that from the students I have talked about this project with, they don't realize the, the scale of the plastic pollution problem. Mm. And so this will it'll spread awareness of that problem as well as um, give students and the the Texas state community an alternative method of recycling their plastic rather than relying on the current industries in place. Uh, I'd like to hear from both of you on what you would tell the average person that they can do to uh, mitigate the problem of plastics pollution? As far as uh, mitigating the, the problem of plastics pollution, um, I, I'll refer to the EPA's hierarchy on what to do with your solid waste. Um, they, they have it on a, um, a five-scale hierarchy, essentially. And the, and the very first thing on that is to reduce the amount of waste you're producing. Um, so, limit your use by finding and using alternatives you know there's there's reusable grocery bags and metal straws and bringing your own to-go containers but really just don't create the plastic waste to begin with by uh finding alternatives right right and allison what would you say so i agree with michael in the sense that you know we have to limit our usage of plastic. So these companies that are producing plastic, the reason why they're producing it is because of the, the need for it. People want it, people are constantly buying it, you know, um, straws, like when it comes to 
um, fast food restaurants, you know, people are constantly using it. And so the only way to get these huge companies, these manufacturing companies to stop manufacturing plastic is really just to, to, to stop using it in general. Mm-hmm. And even though that's easier said than done, um, that would require everybody, you know, everybody, not, not just in our city, it would require on the larger scale for people to, to limit their usage. Because then at that point, you have these manufacturing companies um, losing money, right? Because they're, they're producing all this plastic and nobody's buying it. Right. And so that's, that's usually when it will change in my perspective um, when it comes to the making of this plastic. Right. Um, so it, it would have to be a change of lifestyle, but a change of lifestyle for, at a large perspective, which right. is it's kind of difficult to obtain just because we rely on plastic so much. You know, you, I'm pretty sure if you look across your room, you find a number of items made out of plastic um, from like appliances to, yeah. to containers and stuff like that. So it's really just, I would say on a federal level, it, if something were to be um, implemented, then we would see a change. But that again would require everybody to be one aware of it and to take action on it. We can make a difference by refusing to use plastic and by finding alternatives. Go to plasticfreejuly.org to learn how. Please tell people you know about this podcast, and thanks so much for listening. Until next time, this is Salwa Khan signing off for Mothering Earth your source for sustainable living news.